Jason, as it is each and every week, the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Jason, do you know what month it is? It's October. It is October, but also it is safety month in the window treatment world. That's an amazing thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about safety. First off, here's the big thing. Automation. That's the word. That's the word we've been talking about lately. Automation. It takes those nasty cords out of the way. Nobody's going to get tangled in them. Nobody's going to try to eat them. Nobody's going to trip over them. That's true. In addition, being able to program, you can have those shades up or down, open or closed during the right times of day to keep your heating bill or your cooling bill at a minimum, maximizing that energy efficiency. And one other note about our friends at Budget Blinds. Once again, they are making a difference in the community. They have an event coming up on October 5th. It's a special after-hours event that is benefiting Hope House. It's part of that Why I Care campaign you've probably seen happening all over social media lately. This is why we like to partner with them. They are not only a good business, a good partner to this podcast, but a good community partner to go with it. Good eggs. Good eggs all around. They are. Go see them. Budget blinds right in the heart of Lee Summit in downtown. Tell them Jason and Nick sent you. Jason, it's here. Oh, yes. The yes! time has come. I am ready to ascend the throne. You know, I'm going to win and not you, right? It's a team thing, man. There's no I in team. There's, there's it's in Chili team. Fest there's, this weekend. There are I's in Chili, however. There are. <laughs> hey, this Saturday, October 5th, it is Chili Fest happening in the parking lot behind Bridge Space in downtown Lee Summit. And as I'm sure you've probably heard, your Lee Summit Town Hall crew has a team. We are going to win. Win. And we are going to win something. Even if it's worst food ever. It might be that prize, but you have, there are four categories. You have an opportunity. I bet they're still taking sign-ups if you really, really want them. And even if you're not, you have an opportunity to be there on Saturday morning at 11 to 2. Bring your $10. All proceeds are going to go to benefit Coldwater of Lee Summit. And you, with that $10, you're going to get a spoon that's going to identify you as a taster. And you can go around and you can sample some of our community's best chili, wings, and salsa. There it is. That's all you need to know. Chili Fest, Saturday, 11 to 2, downtown Lee Summit. Be there. Come and say hi to Nick and Jason. There you go. By the way, I'm going to have a mic all day long. Hello and welcome to this Friday conversation episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. Ah, this is a fun show for me today. We get to talk about art and people making cool things. And then, you know, also, Jody, this is for you. They're going to sell them for money. Yes. I've got with me today Jody Fristo, the event director for the Summit Art Fest, which happens next weekend right in the heart of Lee Summit, in downtown Lee Summit. I also have the father of Summit Art Fest, Tom Malott. Tom, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. And we have Wanda Tyner, who I hear is a really awesome glass artist that's going to make me very jealous of her talent. Wanda, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Well, guys, let's talk a little bit about the Art Fest. This is a recurring annual event that happens in downtown Lee Summit, and it's kind of one of my favorites. It's not, it's not the biggest festival that happens down here, but it's one of my favorites because there's just so much cool stuff on display. 
that you can get to. Jody, what year is this? This is the 12th year for the art festival. It is the sixth year to have it in downtown Lee Summit. Tom, I, yes. I, I, I want you to chime in now because I, I'm a history nerd. So I want you to okay. tell me a little bit about how this thing how this thing started. Why did we start doing it? Because I don't know that everybody thinks of Lee Summit is the home for, for art and, and artists and, and fine art. But really, it is. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Why did you guys kind of come together and put this thing on? That's, that's great. Uh, well, Lee Summit uh, was the home base for the beginnings of Summit Art. That all happened back in uh, around 2004. Uh, and you, you previously said that I was the father of the festival. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I'm sort of, uh, I didn't come in late, but uh, there were two or three of our Summit Art members that had been gathering together in a little yellow house right over here on, North, on Southwest Market. And they were doing their art. So they were looking for a better place to do this. Ended up, we, we got together with St. Luke's East, and they offered us an opportunity to hang art in the hospital. They also offered us uh, an opportunity to have our meetings there, and that all began. A few years later, we found ourselves out in New Longview in a building out there provided to us by David Gale. And we were working out of that building, and several of us at that time, we're talking now about 2007. And the opportunity was, why don't we have an art fair on the street? And that really hit me right between the eyes because that was my passion uh, I was doing a lot of art fairs that time all around the Midwest. So that was the early beginnings of the, of the festival. But actually, a lot of art was going on by our organization between 2004 and 2007. So the first five years, our art fair was called the Longview Art and World Music Festival, held out in New Longview. And that's where we really got the thing rolling. You said it, you said the idea kind of just hit you. Well, and, and so so I, what I, what I want to know really is, is what is it about art fairs, about street fairs that that kind of that that really pulls you in? Why is that different than you know you see gal you've got some art has gallery at St. Luke's you you, you yeah. had a gallery yeah. in downtown. Why why is the street fair different for you? Well, it's just uh, it has a, it has a, a an element that just uh, you know uh, causes. All of us that are like to do art and show it and sell it and visit and everything, and then to do it on an outdoor street setting under all of these crazy conditions is just uh, somehow appealing to a lot of us. Some of us, though, hate that kind of thing, <laughs> you know, because it is a lot of work. And then you have to deal with the weather. You have to all everything. But that's what I was doing at that time from Minneapolis to St. Louis, to Springfield, to Salina, Kansas, and the people, the artists that you meet, the camaraderies that you develop, and the, the actual, the awesome art is just overwhelming. So to be a part of that scene, to roll into town, set up your tent, and, and just uh, 
to try to sell it and talk, talk, talk about art was extremely that was that hit me. That was that was what I associated with. Well, tell me a little bit about your art, the art that you were doing. Well, I do fine art photography, and I've been doing that since I was a sophomore in high school. But I did not uh, start doing that uh, seriously to sell until uh, about 2000. I had retired from teaching, and a friend of mine, a very, very good friend of mine who's now dead, Jim Ryan, uh, I had taught with him for years, and he said, Tom, why don't you get some things together and do Westport? I said, I don't have enough things. I was doing weddings and portraits and all that too. But I did, and that started uh, started it rolling. We all need that friend who's going to give us that, that yeah, kick to, yeah. to do the things. Because it's, it's always someone on the outside that says, you should do this. You can do this. Yeah. So last year, pardon me, just a few uh, a month ago, I did my 20th year at Westport. Wow. And uh, it's been a delight. I've, I've trimmed back a little bit. I'm just doing shows around town. But uh, this one, the Summit Art Festival, became my real passion. And so I tried to be, uh, I was the director of it, uh, co-director of it, cleaned up the mess afterwards and set it up beforehand and all that stuff for many years. People always forget about that, the, oh, yeah. the, the after the right. festival cleanups. <laughs> but it has become the largest art fair in eastern Jackson County. A full weekend outdoor art fair with artists coming from 12 or 13 states. You, you mentioned earlier you talked about the community, kind of the art community that comes settles in around yes, festivals. Yes. And, and, and So what is a little bit about that? And, and I'm curious how that community has grown in Lee Summit just around this particular festival because you've seen it change and grow over the last 12 years. Well, it's, uh, most of the artists that show in our, our, our festivals – are local or regional, and uh, they uh, it has grown, but it also uh, represents a fantastic way for artists to just to show and talk about their work, uh, bringing a, a cultural effect to the community, and that's part of Summit Arts mission statement. And so we, we feel like uh, when you have 100 booths of artists and each of these artists has a lifetime of education and dedication to their art, it is an awesome gathering that is, uh, is, is pretty special. I'm going to pause here, and Jody, I'm going to bring you back in because I, I have been remiss I did not start this off with the exact dates and times of the festival. <laughs> and let's make sure we do that. And we're going to do it again later on. The festival is always the second weekend of October. This year it's October 11, 12, and 13. It is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We open on Friday at 4 o'clock, 4 to 8 p.m. on Friday. On Saturday we go from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And on Sunday we're open again from 11 to 4 p.m. You just you just heard heard Tom talk a little bit about the history and the growth and the community around it and and all of these artists that come in and they have lifetimes of experience. So so how are you as an event director? How are you going out and working with 
Summit Art to find to to find these artists and to bring them in. And we have tell me if I'm wrong, but the last time I talked to you, you told me we had more than 100 artists. We do. We have 110 artists this year, and they're coming in from all across the country. Our featured artists are actually a husband and wife pair coming all the way from California. We have artists coming from North Carolina and artists coming from Wisconsin. And you know, as Tom was speaking, I was reminded of a very subtle comment that he made at a committee meeting a couple of years ago. He said, you know, all these years I've been doing this festival, I sure would like to have a a hundred booths on the street. That has always been a dream of mine, to put a hundred artist booths on the street. So I made sure that happened. Last year and this year, we have placed 100 artist booths on the street. We added um, another full city block so that we could accommodate that. And uh, we are just so pleased to be able to share this gift with our community. Wanda, you're over there. You look a little uh, like you're ready. (laughs) You're ready. You've been left out of the conversation so far. And I have, to say, I have always, from afar, thought glass art was really cool. Um, it also scares me a little bit because it seems like I would break a lot of things and never, ever produce anything. Tell me a little bit about glass art and all of the different things because I feel like it's this giant field. But what do you do? Yeah, glass art has a lot of disciplines within it. I specifically do kiln-formed glass art. And within that, there are a lot of techniques. I like the ones where I get in the kiln at about 1,800, 1,900 degrees, and I move the glass around to get different effects, to change the patterns, to create my own colors, and then from there I shape the glass and and make it into sculptures, wall art, uh, or functional pieces of art. So you're actually actually manipulating the glass while it's in, in the heat? Yes. How do you get here? I've always been curious about this. What do you use to color glass when they do it? Glass actually, it it can be clear, but you also can buy it in primary colors. And then when you're in the kiln moving it around, that's when you get the wispy looks, the, um, you know, Baroque looks, or just, you know, a change in the color. Do the colors mix while it's melted in that liquid liquidy form Only, liquidish <laughs> not not if you just leave the glass in there it will they won't change color but if you're in there moving it around you'll create the different looks how did how did you get into I, i'm always curious how people get into to their their art things like what drew you to glass and that i mean that's not something you don't take a glass class in high school no you don't i it was, so what what really kind of drew you into it Actually, over the years of my husband and I's travel, we would gravitate to buying glass art for our home. And we have a lot of glass art in our home. And I just made this list of things I wanted to learn. And at the top of the list was how was the glass art in our home made? And I thought it would be take a class, I'm done, move on to the next thing I want to learn. And instead, I just got deep into it and took classes all over the country by well-known glass artists and just got addicted. He didn't even know I had any creative gene in me until then. <laughs> I love that, though, a list of things I want to learn. I feel like that's kind of a life lesson. We're going to have a moral to the story in this episode today. <laughs> Make the list of things you want to learn. Uh, Tom, I'm going to shift back to you. So so why photography? You said you started in, in high school. What? Yeah. Is there is there something about a still image that, that just appeals to you? Uh, you know, I think one of the things uh, – I taught high school uh, – photography but early on I taught eighth grade and general science and earth science 
And so when I got into photography, which I had been in since high school, uh, the, the idea of combining the science of light, art, and all the, machi- all the mechanisms and tools of photography with the, with the uh, composition and those elements of art, the two just were so opposite that to bring them together in one uh, into photography, which of course means painting with light, and uh, that that was just a cool, cool thing. And the equipment was cool, and and but it took a while for me to look at photography as an art. But I was fortunate enough to be able to teach photography and do it the way I wanted to do it, and so that's where it all, all began to form. Uh, I am a passable photographer, and only in that as a my career in in newspapers, I had to learn, was forced mm-hmm. to learn. But I. Having that eye is something that I've never really understood or, or, or you know, I, I learned to shoot sports, and I know sports well enough that I can be in the right place. And, well, if, that, well, and if you push that button enough times, yeah. you're going to get a shot. But, you but, know. But, but, I mean, so I'm, I'm curious about what cli- when that moment you said it kind of clicked for you when you realized it could be a fine art and not just right. your love of the, the technique and the tools well, you, you start looking at uh, the art in galleries, uh, the Nelson. You go, you look at the masters of art, and you see, try to see what they saw when they painted that picture or when they photographed that image. And then you try to apply some of those techniques to your own work, and pretty soon it's, the formation starts to happen. Imitation is the, you know, the best compliment. So I, I really, uh, I, at this point, I've learned so much about photography and art that when I look at images, I, d- I become more confused as to what really art is because <laughs> there's such a variety of it. And uh, to judge art is, is very difficult. But if something speaks to you, then you look for a way, you know, first of all, that you have to see a subject and then you have to visualize how you're going to take it. Ansel Adams, which is our, our heroes, you know, his, one of his basic uh, tenets was uh, visual, pre-visualization. You visualize how that image is going to look when it's on, in a frame, hanging on the wall, while you're taking it. And then you use all the tools and techniques and science that you can muster up to try to capture that. So when, some, when something speaks to you, what do you hear? What what is that that voice that thing for you? Well, it it all of that all of that that's in your mind comes together, and you say, "Wow, this this has a, a, you know this is going to be something if I can just get it in the right light," and then that's the next problem. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I'm going to go back to Wanda and and her art that that you make. When you start, do you is this? Is your art, is it something that you have kind of an end in mind when you start? Is it a fluid, kind of sounds like a pun, but is it a fluid thing that just you, you start going and see where it takes you? It depends. Uh, because sometimes I go into it with a, a vision of a landscape or some something like that that I want to represent. Or sometimes I do pieces like someone has a pet that they want me to render in glass. And so, that, yes, there I'm starting with a design. 
But when I want to do my abstracts and just work with color and create transmission of glass, I just let myself go and see what, how it flows together. Well, Jody, I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna come back to you a little bit as the as the event director for this. You have here just right here in this room, you've got two very very different um, styles of art and uh, and approaches to art. And then I know uh, you and I know each other a little bit, so I know that you have uh, your own variety and tastes. And well, pretty much you'll buy anything purple, but <laughs> that's always true. <laughs> So when you're when you're kind of out looking and you want to bring people into festivals and you're you're always recruiting year round you're always talking to people about this festival and stuff, um, you know what what are you looking for when you want to bring people into the festival? Well, as far as bringing artists into the festival, we're looking for a wide variety of artists representing many mediums. So we have fiber art, metal art, glass art, photography various types of painting. We're looking for a wide variety, but we are also looking for quality and distinction. We have a very um, uh, strong jury process for our artists. So um, we we send out a call for artists every year, early in the year, and we solicit applications from all over the country And then we have professional artists that gather and they jury and score each artist uh, on a variety of um, uh, methodologies and creativities and expressions and and, um, originality, things like that. So we have quite a rigorous uh, jury process for artists to get into the festival. So we're always confident that we're not only providing variety, we're providing really high quality. One of the things that, um, an added component to our festival that we're all really proud of is the student art component. So not only do we have um, 100, over 100 professional artists displaying and selling their artwork on the street, we also have many, many local students, middle schoolers and high schoolers that are given the opportunity to display their work in in the festival as well. We have our student art pavilion and in there are over 250 original works of art created by our local students. And what we do that I think is unique is we provide these local students with an opportunity to know what it feels like to be a professional exhibiting artist. Um, we have judges that there that come in and, and review their work and judge it. We award lots of ribbons and um, we display it in a professional manner. So it's a really unique opportunity for these students in the festival as well. I want to. I'm going to put a pin there because I want to come back and talk to you a little bit about about the student thing. But I want to go first. I want to go backward to something you just talked about, which is your juried selection of artists. I think there are a lot of people. Probably the casual attendee of an art fair doesn't realize that it's you don't just get in because you paid your four hundred dollars for the booth fee or whatever. What is it? I'm I'm making up a number there, but that it's it's hard. To get in, and you have to you have to show. Is that so? Is that unique to to a certain like tier of of art festival? Is it unique to this one? What's what is that? What is that like? Well, I think most of the uh, art fairs and art festivals across the country also go through some sort of juried application process. We are different from some of the other craft fairs that are out there in that um, it is a little more stringent requirements to get into our festival. 
And that does um, allow us to provide, like I said, higher quality art on the streets for our patrons. May I interject something? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, the one of the keys to all of this is that you your number of applications needs to be much larger than the booth spaces available. And Jody has taken that challenge and the last two years, her two years into this, and each year we have increased the overflow of the availability, which means then that the jurors can be more, can raise the level of their juring a little tighter and that guarantees the highest quality of all applications that, uh, that we receive that are ad admitted or invited to be in the art fair. And then, with cancellations that always come after that, what remains on the waiting list also are higher quality, rather than have to dip down and keep filling spaces with a lower and lower scores. I'm going to ask this for you, for you or, or, or Wanda, or if you both want to answer, is it, is that nerve-wracking? Is it a little scary to apply for the I – mean, I'm just thinking of, of you know, of, I, what if they don't like me? <laughs> well, one of the perks of being a member of the Summit Art Organization is that you are automatically juried into the festival. So both Wanda and Tom, as not only being members of Summit Art, they're board members of Summit Art. They are going to be artists on the street. Um but for the uh, the rest of the artist pool that's out there, it's it's a really stringent um, application process, and we're so fortunate to have so many extraordinary artists to choose from over the you know from all over the country. Yeah, I think I was just curious about because you, you you do other festivals as as yeah, well. Yeah, that's just kind of a, you can do. I a, like competition, but I don't yeah. know what if everybody does. And you can do a festival for several years and then not get in and. Because every jury is different, what they're looking for, what other artists, how they want to cur curate the overall festival, yeah. you know, and a lot of it has to do with what you present, the the phot photographs of your art, of your booth, how you present yourself has a big impact on whether you get into an art fair. So it, it is nerve-wracking, but you also got to get a thick skin because you just, it will have nothing to do with your art. You You just may not get in in a given year. Is it um, when you're preparing for an art fair and you're 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 putting your pieces together of what you want to take, what you want to show? And and I, I joked a little bit in in the opening that that this is also you know the artists want to make money. Is it is it hard to to either prepare to make pieces or or preparing to pick what you're going to show because you have to you don't always make everything to sell. But do you have to think a little bit like is this is this going to be a more sellable piece than this piece? Is what kind of decision making goes into preparing? Well, simply, uh, for instance, when I'm uh, I'm, I'm making application to uh, Loring Park uh, uh, Art Fair up in uh, Minneapolis, I would I would not uh, offer up any local pictures where they may be great for Westport. They will not go in a location unless it's the not. least Summit Depot is not going to sell there. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but I have a picture that I've taken of the cats, the old cats drugstore at Westport Road in Maine, and it it has to go in my art fair when I do Westport. <laughs> right. 
Wanda, is it, is it, do you go through a different process depending on where you're going or what the festival is? Yeah. I, I just wonder because you know, commercial art and retail art can be different than, than some of the fine arts. So I, I was just curious about your mental processes. Yeah, well, part of it is curating your booth so that you've got a consistent body of work that appeals to people. And you have price ranges so that you can attract a wide variety of patrons to get to know your art. So so it's a combination of that. You don't want to just put everything out that you've made. And being being that I can only do original art, I also have to think about that. There's certain things I know always sell. I make sure I, you know, have enough of that on hand and then I try to, you know, have at least a few showcase pieces where I can show kind of some of what I can do. When you're first putting that because you have to have a portfolio. You have to have enough. Was there a point when you when you thought, I've got enough stuff. I've produced enough good stuff that I could do one of these shows? Yes. I'll, uh, I began with uh, sharing a booth with three other artists. We, it's called a quad. And I, I didn't have enough body of work to fill my, all, my, all that space. And then a little bit of success came along. I sold a few pieces, and, and my interest and my desire to keep doing this kept growing. I did that for two or three years, and then I graduated up to an old a borrowed or rented tent and did that for another couple of years with the full tent before you make the big leap to really invest in a high-quality tent. But, yes, it does take you a little bit of time to, to grow and get into it. I started with galleries where, you know, you apply for a particular exhibit and you get a couple of pieces in, uh, you know, and maybe then you get, you know, a group show. Uh, and it was only after I'd been doing that for a while that I ventured into the art fair space. So I wasn't smart like Tom. I went all the way to getting the good tent and just doing it on my own and uh, having a lot of help from Tom. <laughs> well, that also speaks to her quality, too. It's 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 good stuff. I, I I just have to ask another just my curiosity question here. So you you say you travel a lot and and you got into glass work glass making because of your travels and the things you. So how does one go about um, finding building a, a, your own kiln and <laughs> and studio to do this? To? I, I I don't know that they sell that at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> um. <laughs> they don't sell it at Hobby Lobby now. I did not build my kiln. There are commercial kilns. For the the kind of kilns I use are are commercial. So right I, is that do you do you go lease space somewhere? Do you purchase one to set up at your house? How does that? How does one do on your own? I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. So when I was taking classes, you know, they would have the kilns, and I'd learn there. But you couldn't do anything at home then. What? So first, I just started with um, having a space in my house where I could cut glass and prepare it all, and then rent some space in a local studio is no longer in business and that was probably what pushed me to buy my kilns now i don't have studio space like where anybody can come in i begged my husband to find a new place for our boat and i took over the back portion of the third bay of our garage and that's my studio <laughs> that's where the kilns are out where the cement walls are that's fantastic well i, I want to ask you we, we just talked about growing and, and having enough for booth and how you set it up and stuff so for attendees who want to come out to the festival 
there are things at, I'm assuming, various price points. So really, anybody can find stuff that they want, they'd love to add to their homes or or their, their traveling homes if they travel all the time. I mean, is, is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, we have such a wide array of artwork available at all price points in so many different mediums that I really think there is something for everyone at our festival. And um, yeah, I've yeah. seen the list of artists. There are some really really high quality artists some that we haven't had anywhere in the kansas city metro area as well uh, a few that moved from kansas city so we haven't seen them in a while that are that are that happened to pick summit art festival as the one they want to come back to this year uh, and uh, there are several best of missouri hands artists which is a juried organization as well that are, are in the show for people who are are new to to this festival or or any kind of Thing like this, how do you how do you kind of think about people easing in to just uh, there's so much stuff out there and and you know what what should people what should people look for not necessarily like taste but you know how do you kind of acclimate yourself to all of this stuff and and think about hey I want to add some things to my life that catch my eye that speak to me. Well, you know, one of the things my husband and I have always done for fun is what we call our sip and stroll weekends. And we have always traveled um, to the area art fairs in our in our region just for fun, just to walk. And we, we usually go grab our wine or my husband grabs a beer and we, we walk through the streets and we just look. And whatever appeals to us, whatever is striking to us, we walk up. You start talking to the artist and the more you learn from the artist about how they do their work and why they do their work and and you learn about the the craft of it and then you you think about your own personal space and your environment and and you want some of that in your space I, i'm going to wrap things up and now i'm going to this is the quiz portion of the episode so this is a test and if you pass you can get out of the vault that you're locked into right now <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm, I'm going to go all the way back to when wanda first started tom What's on your list of things you want to learn? I, I have struggled with the shift from film and dark rooms to the digital world. I'm, I'm thoroughly into it now. But that leap, I, I resisted that with a passion. I would rather go to the dark room and print for three hours and sit in front of a computer to do They this. are different arts and different skill sets. Yes, but the thing is, the, the software now that photographers and artists have to use are so phenomenal that you can duplicate any action you ever did in the darkroom and uh, even enhance it more. And then there is a wonderful, wonderful button on the computer save <laughs> and you you don't have to go into the dark room and start from scratch every i also time. like undo <laughs> yeah, that's a good one right right and you can come back to that image and you can continue to work on it over and over and over get up walk around get away from it and come back so learning how to develop your skill uh to to do things to the image that enhance them but not change them to improve them without uh, faking it, and uh, so that your your people who view your images 
can enjoy that and get something out of it in a positive way. That's that's what I keep wanting to learn how to do. I, I, I'm curious, and, and because you've done it for a long time and, and you have actual talent where I am a hack, but I can do so much more in Photoshop that I never could figure out how to do in a dark room. That uh, make, making prints and the things you can do with the light as you as you make those prints is, has always been amazing, and I could never figure it out in the dark room. But right, tools uh, on the computer like Photoshop, and I'm a, I'm an old Photoshop guy that I can do almost anything with that. Well, that's right, and uh, uh, we try to do it. I think one of the key things is it's so easy to overdo all of the things that you really need to put the brakes on to caution yourself not to overdo those little sliders on the. Stop on using the, that sharpen tool. That's right. Stop <laughs> using that. Don't oversaturate. You know, and th- those are things that because uh, it's so easy just to just to blow it out. You know, so uh, uh, be real. But be art, artistic with your images, but just don't overdo it. You know, capturing it in the camera is the ultimate. Now, Jody, I'm going to guess a little bit of your answer, and and only because we're Facebook friends, and so I see some of the things that you post. You like to learn new things, and you like to challenge yourself with some art things. So, so what's what's on your list? So. I have always referred to myself as an administrator with an artist sensibility. I'm a hobby painter, and one of the benefits of being involved with the Summit Art Organization is what I'm learning is how to hone my craft, how to monetize my hobby, my artwork, and how to become a professional artist. So I just keep learning from these professionals in this, in this group on how to do that. That's awesome. Now, I'm not going to give you the question again, Wanda, because you already told us. Oh, but, but I, I have something uh, new I want to learn. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I, want, I want you to kind of wrap up this, this, this portion of it because I want, I want to go back to that question that you started. or It really wasn't a question. It was just to yourself. Why is it important to, for you and why do you think for others? Why is it important to have, continually have that list, things I want to learn? Oh, there's just it's important for so many reasons. One, just to challenge your brain to get out there and not just do the same thing all the time to to understand how something is made or how to do it or just to prove that you can do some things that are outside your comfort zone, even if it's just for fun. But you know, the, the, it's the brain challenge more than anything. I like it. I like it. Well, speaking of challenges and learning, I'm going to come back now because I want to. I want to talk about the Student Art Pavilion. Um, we have for the first time. There's another school that's going to be shown this year, and I, I'm not going to spill the beans. I'll let Jody make that announcement, and then we're going to talk a little bit about my favorite part of the festival, which is is uh, the food trucks. Well, okay, <laughs> all right. I was going to keep that secret, but. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to tell everybody that that's really my favorite part. But uh, first of all, let's make the announcement. We've got a new participant in the Yes, Yes, for, for the first time ever, the Summit Christian Academy is going to be exhibiting in our student art pavilion. So we are so pleased to be able to give those students the opportunity to participate this year. And then... As always, um, one of the most popular events that happen at the festival is the Stuck on Art live competition. It happens on Saturday right in the main intersection. Teams of art students um, assemble in 
the intersection and on these very large white vinyl canvases, they are creating live original works of art with just black masking tape and cutting tools. It's the coolest thing to watch. And I encourage everybody, if you're coming to the festival, try to get there on Saturday. That is, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy that part every year, just to watch this thing come to life. And it's tape. It's just to me. It's just it, it. It's really cool to watch an art piece happen, and these are huge, huge things. And and then Jody, you're right. The, and the, the collaboration favorite. of the students is pretty phenomenal mm-hmm. too. The theme this year is pop art, so that is wide open. These kids can derive their inspiration from anything in popular culture. I can't wait to see what they come up with. Awesome. And then, okay, let's talk about the other favorite part. Jody, yes, yes what, there's, are, what are my food truck choices? Yes, there's food. So we are so fortunate. We've got uh, four food vendors and one alcohol vendor this year. Embrace the Grape is always there. They bring the drinks. Actually, it's hashtag we bring the drinks. Um, they're going to provide a signature cocktail uh, throughout the weekend at two different locations. And then the food. We're really excited about the food that's happening this year. We have Salmon Louis New York-style pizza. Salmon Louis serves a slice of pizza that is as big as the paper plate they hand to you. So it's awesome and delicious. We have Schmecka's Italian Sausage and their Fresh Squeezed Lemonade. They set out these large grills and actually grill the sausages and the peppers and onions and it smells wonderful and it tastes amazing we have grandma's mini fried donuts and walking tacos so i don't know who doesn't like a donut and then we have uh, Mai's noodle express so there's all kinds of noodle bowls and bubble teas awesome I'm, I'm going to have to go every day just to hit each of the places. We also have to mention the musicians because, to me, the way Summit Art Festival does musicians is so much better than a lot of other art fairs. Instead of bands that are overwhelming the no, you know the noise level of the fair, these musicians complement the art, and they're artists in their own right, and they're going to be phenomenal all weekend. We are so fortunate. We have a local musician named Rick Gordon. He's kind of downtown's famous local musician, and he owns a record company, Russian Winter Records and Buffalo Burger Records, and he is our musical curator. So he has uh, brought to us artists uh, from all over the region with a variety of genres and they play throughout the weekend at two different locations and the the music is acoustical it's uh, kind of just a nice ambiance in the background and i'm gonna give myself a shameless plug because rick has a great story so if if go backward at our podcast homepage and go go listen if you can find that episode with with Rick his story is really really cool and, and just a local guy who now is producing tons of music as well as his own he's a pretty good songwriter himself guys Nick Nick yeah may I put in another plug well that's sure that's why we're here this is all about plugs we have a hospitality feature element to our art fair that's I I would say uh, uh, bows to nobody in the nation all artists that leave this art fair have been fed they have been cooled they have been warmed and they have been coddled and they have been treated like like uh, heroes uh, on the survey after the art fair the hospitality element of our art fair always receives the highest marks 
and uh, I hear other artists say, "Yeah, that art fair, they treat you like 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 your somebody." So it, well, so we and Jody has kept that going and even improved on it over the last couple of years. Well, now now I wish I had the art talent that I could be a, be one of the presenting both. All right. Well, if people want to know more about Summit Art Fest, Jody, where can they go? You can go to our website, which is summitartfest.org. Okay. One last time, Summit Art Fest is when? October 11, 12, 13, the second weekend in October. Come down and see us in beautiful downtown Lee Summit. There you go. On the west side of the tracks this year again. Yep. Well, that will wrap up our show for this week. I appreciate you three joining me. Tom, Wanda, Jody, thank Thank you you. very much. Thank Thank you. you. And we will talk to everyone next week. You have been listening to Lee Summit Town Hall, a link to Lee Summit podcast with hosts Nick Parker and Jason Norberry. A proud member of the Fredcast Network, you can subscribe to this podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook at Link to Lee Summit or on Twitter at LS Town Hall.